Hi, I'm Sean L. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic, found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Michelle Ortiz was born in Los Angeles, but studied all over the world, including the Moscow Art Theater School in Russia, as well as classical opera in Germany. A participant in both the ABC and the CBS Diversity Showcases, Ortiz broke through first as a cast member on the reboot of Bad TV for the CW, where she impersonated the likes of Kim Kardashian, Melania Trump, Sofia Vergara, Jennifer Lopez, and Dora the Explorer. Ortiz also has appeared on I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson, Mom, Life in Pieces, Gentified, and When Nature Calls with Helen Mirren. In 2022, Ortiz has a new chance to shine as Maggie in the Hulu comedy series This Fool. Ortiz sat down with me to discuss how she found her way in both the world and in comedy. If you like this conversation, please consider subscribing to my substack called Piffity at piffany.substack.com so you can read bonus commentary on this episode as well as more comedy news and insights. Thanks in advance, and now that that's out of the way, let's get to it! So, Michelle Ortiz, last things first. Do I understand correctly, you just had a birthday? I did, I did, I did, I did. I uh, was doing a play at the Geffen, and closing night was uh, Sunday, August 14th. Birthday was on August 15th, Monday. Well, happy birthday. Do you... Do you celebrate your birthday or are you more like uh, Chris's character, Julio, and try to avoiding avoid, it, <laughs> avoiding it, it at all costs? Yeah. Oh, no, no. I had uh, I had friends from all over fly in and we did a Palm Springs bang for my birthday. So it was like a celebration of like closing the show, the premiere birthday. It's all happened at the same time. <laughs> Do you have any other birthdays you can compare this one to in terms of? being able to to celebrate career accomplishments at the same time as another you know year what? on the globe? I think I celebrated, um, when I was on Mad TV, I celebrated my, like, 25th birthday um, at a table read. So that was, for, for me, at the time, that felt very iconic, but I guess uh, it's only up and up from there. Right. Although there are highs and lows. There are highs and lows. I didn't work for a year and a half after Mad. <laughs> no, and I'm sure when you got the job at Mad TV, you didn't expect it to be a short-lived experience. No, because when you're working, you think it's only up from here. I, you know, I thought this was, it was just going to lead to more jobs, different opportunities. And I had to go back to catering, unfortunately. Now, if you could, but if you could tell that 25 year old version of yourself that someday you will get on a series that's, that's got critical acclaim and you'll also get to provide voices on a show that's hosted by, Dame Helen Marin. Yes. <laughs> would that would that set your twenty five year old self at ease a little bit? You know, I feel like I definitely sacrificed a social life in my twenties for my career. So yeah, maybe I would have been like, you know what, girl, you put that apron on and you go back to that wine bar and keep serving that Pinot Noir. Yeah, I probably wouldn't have gone in as depressed. <laughs> well, but before that, according to your bio. You studied abroad in both Germany and in Russia. Yeah. Which came first? So um, I did a semester abroad. I went to LMU. Uh, We did half of the semester in Germany. Mm -hmm. And then the other half we did at 
the Moscow Art Theater in Russia. So that was pretty life changing just because that like totally solidified that I for sure wanted to pursue acting professionally, no matter how long it took, no matter how many catering jobs in between. (laughs) Was there a different plan before that or was it always a goal and then just being able to experience the opera in Germany and the theater in Mm -hmm. Moscow? Well, I started singing classically in high school and then in college I just I had this idea that I was going to be this big dramatic actress I was going to like book a really cool indie that would take me to Sundance or something and that's mm-hmm. I don't I, I I I fell into comedy I always like I always knew I was funny because I'll do anything for a laugh especially anything to make my friends laugh and growing up I don't know I came from a pretty broken home so I think I would do a lot of things to try to make my parents laugh too um and uh I just fell into it I hadn't done sketch before Mad, so. But you had hope- done, but but you had done impersonations before. Yeah, but I just I've always been of the thought that if you're an actor, you should like do try to be as well rounded as possible. Like you should, if you're not a singer, you should try to at least carry a tune. If you're not a comedy person, maybe it'd be nice to have a few impressions that you can mm-hmm. pull out of as a party trick or something. I don't know. I just always. I don't know, since I was a kid, maybe it's like the love of musical theater as well, as much as I don't like to admit it, <laughs> to be able like to be a triple threat. When did when did that switch flip for you, though, where you went from the goal of being a dramatic actress to, oh, not only do I make my friends laugh, but this might actually be the path forward for me? Well, once I graduated... Uh, college I started in non-union commercials like in Spanish and English and most of them most of them are most of them are most of the American commercial market is comedy when you watch commercials on TV Mm -hmm. so I think I just like it's had a desperation Sean you you take what you can get (laughs) you know it's so funny when people ask you like so how did you pick this project I'm like I didn't pick it I've auditioned for thousands and and they picked me (laughs) Right, but that's not how it works for, say, voices where you're sitting there and you're like, I didn't pick Sofia Vergara. Sofia Vergara, her voice just channeled inside me. And well, okay, so that like for so once I knew I was auditioning for Mad TV, I was like, mm-hmm. well, what 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 characters, what impressions are relevant for 2016, 2017? What what will they have me do? And I think Sofia Vergara was on or is Modern Family still on? I don't know. So I just thought, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's on somewhere. It's on somewhere. There's reruns playing somewhere. But so I just, I just, I created, I, I wrote my audition to be whatever was relevant at the time. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that was, that was more of the gig. It, that was really more of the gig informing the work. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Oh, wow. But my first real, real TV credit was um, I booked a little recurring on a Nickelodeon show, a kid's show, Nicky, Ricky, Dicky and Down, where I play like the bitchy, sarcastic, deadpan babysitter. Um, (laughs) So, I mean, my first real credit was, you know, a kid's sitcom. Mm -hmm. So how old were you when you got that? um, I think that was like 2014. Must have been like 2014. Four, twenty-five. Did you get that before or because of doing 
the diversity showcases that the networks would do? I mean, I've I've said this many times. I I I wouldn't be where I am if it weren't for those showcases, unfortunately and fortunately, because um, I did ABC in 2014. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't think I got that. I don't think I got that because of that one. I think I had I had already gone for that casting director a couple times before. But yeah, but then in 2016, I did the CBS Diversity Showcase, which is now just called the the CBS Comedy Showcase. Right. Well, the CBS, right, the CBS one was the one that really came under fire. But that was that was after you had done it, right? So yeah, yeah. Did you feel any sort of like harassment or pressures going? Through no, that? I think um, you listen. I think um, the people that were running it at my time their hearts were in the right place. Mm-hmm. And yeah, at times it was frustrating because we we're like CBS diversity showcase. Let's do these sketches that just, you know, we want to show our comedy chops. It doesn't care what color you are, what gender, what your sexual preference is. And then we would do some sketches and they're like, okay, that was great. But can you do it in a Cuban accent? And we're like, doesn't that defeat the purpose? <laughs> um, <laughs> so there were moments like that, but if, you know, it, it's it's on the resume. It, it opened other doors for me. I can't I can't really talk shit about it. Help me right. out. And and I am I presuming correctly that doing the ABC one uh, may have led directly into that uh, Agents of Shield web series. Maybe, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And then also the ABC one. It was a mixture of comedy and drama. Okay. So some people did comedic scenes. Some did dramatic scenes. Of course, I ended up getting a comedic scene, <laughs> but um, yeah. So take me back, you know, you mentioned before celebrating your 25th birthday at a table read for Mad TV. What was that year for you like? Um, I mean, first of all, the fact that Mad TV even came back was shocking because I, and also like, Back to college, you were like, how did you get into comedy? I, in the back of my head, I always did want to try for SNL. I just didn't know how. I didn't know that you had, you had, you go to Groundlings or UCB to develop your like character skills or whatever. Um, and Mad TV had always been Mo Collins, Alex Borstein. Those were like heroes of mine growing up. Then it got canceled. So I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll figure out a way how I can audition for SNL. And then the Mad TV audition came around and I couldn't believe it, let alone once I was testing for it, I was just happy to be there. (laughs) Um, And so once I booked that, it was like beyond a dream come true just because I didn't know that it was possible. Um, So then, you know, booking that, still auditioning and getting close to a lot of real um, exciting projects, but didn't book any, not even a commercial, which was like my bread and butter was, um, it was, I had to think about like, oh, is it time to quit? Mm -hmm. Like maybe it's time to quit. Thankfully, I didn't, but tumultuous. We can call that year <laughs> chaotic. What what kept you going during that period? What kept you from not quitting? I don't know. That's a great question. I don't know. Maybe it was honestly knowing the fact that I had done that mm-hmm. without any kind of formal sketch training is maybe what kind of kept me afloat. Like... I did that and I did that on my own and I never considered myself a writer before that either. You know, I wrote all of my, the audition was like, you know, five impressions, five original characters, 
And if you can sing, try to show that off. If you can dance, try to show that off. So, and I wrote that whole thing by myself. So. And you do have this, you do have this reel that's on your YouTube channel. Yeah. Of your highlights from that TV. Yeah. It's very, it's very impressive. Yeah, thank you. And, and you got to perform with, with some of the past Mad TV people. I mean, my first, um, so we did all the, sh- the shooting, the, the digital sketches um, during the week. And then on Friday was the the live show. Mm-hmm. My first live show in front of a studio audience was the Melania Trump sketch uh, with the Clintons. And it was Nicole Sullivan and Will Sasso playing the Clinton. I mean, that, that, that for me, I... It was one of those moments where you're like watching yourself do mm-hmm. the damn thing. So yeah, that was pretty surreal. You, you mentioned commercials being your bread and butter. How many commercials would you have to do to put yourself at ease? Was it one a year or was it one every six months? Or Well, unfortunately, like especially, especially now, there's not as much money in commercials as there used to be. Um, no, I, I, I back then. No, I would have to do a shit ton. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I was non-union until 2013, so before then, you know, you just get paid your day rate. You don't get any residuals. But uh, what gig did you get your SAG card for? I got my SAG card because of Nikki Ricky Dicky Don 2014. Yeah. Who knew Ricky? <laughs> And Nikki Ricky Dicky Down. Who knew that Nikki Ricky Dicky could that being a, being bitchy on that could could get you some some dues. Those damn quadruplets. That's what the show's about. But I mean, in between there and and this fool, you you were able to get a series of like guest spots on yeah on network television. So that had to keep you going mentally emotionally too right yeah i mean also in between all of these it's like i mean this happens for every actor i'm sure like you end up auditioning for or getting close to or testing for things that are like oh wow this could be like life-changing and then you don't get it but then you know i booked a guest star on like mom or something i'm like okay okay i'm in the scene with alice and janney and anna ferris okay like i can i can hold my own i think so yeah if it weren't for those guest stars in between. Mm-hmm. The the job, well, you had two jobs right before getting getting this fool, right? You had Gentified, uh-huh, a, Gentified. a Netflix show, which I guess is just one of many shows on Netflix that only got a couple seasons and it didn't matter what the viewing was. Netflix just canceled them. I'm not sure what the drama is with them. So I you know season one i was in season one they called me back for season two but i wasn't available i was shooting um the guest a guest star for mr corman the joseph gordon levitt show on apple so i was already quarantining in new zealand like during the height of the pandemic so i couldn't do it and yeah then it got canceled after season two uh i i I don't know the drama behind whether or not it got millions of netflix eyeballs on it but um yeah Wait, tell of... me, tell me more about spending the pandemic in New Zealand. Oh my God! Okay, so I booked this. I booked this guest star on JGL's show, mm-hmm. Mr. Corman, for Apple TV Plus. Um, during the height of the pandemic, I get to New Zealand and have to do the two week quarantine in a hotel room that's monitored by like twenty nurses. They come and check on you every day. 
do the two week quarantine, get out. New Zealand is fully open, no masks. It's like COVID was never there. I get to the studio and the first person I shake hands with is Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And I was like, ah, hi. Oh my God. It's so nice to meet you. And he, and I was like, I'm sorry if I seem really crazy. I just got out of the hotel for 14 days. You're the first handshake. And he's like, oh, it's okay. You must feel like very vulnerable without your mask. I'm like, yeah, this is so weird. Um, so I came off like a total crazy anxious person when I first met him. But uh, yeah, it was amazing. Then it was just back to normal life. And um, I would imagine even the flight there must have been weird because New Zealand wasn't really letting people in. No. And what was crazy is that when we got when I got to I can't remember where I quarantined. It wasn't in Wellington. But when we got to the to the airport, the like the, the New Zealand army picked us up in buses and shuttled us to the quarantine hotels. Very apocalyptic. Um, but yeah. And then I was able to shoot after Did two you- weeks. Did you try to spend more time there after shooting just to take advantage of it or? Oh, I really wanted to, but I can't remember why I'm, I, I couldn't, I had to come back right away. I suppose the experience working on when nature calls was the complete opposite of that, right? Because you're. When nature calls, I recorded entirely in my closet, in my <laughs> <That's>... apartment. <laughs> Yes, with I mean, obviously, there was a sound engineer on, Mm. you know, their side, but I'm like, I don't know about this quality, you guys. (laughs) Are you so are you able to watch the footage or no? Yes, yes. So the sketches, this like the 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 script was written, then there's like some temp VO on it that the Mm. writers do. We watch the the nature footage and then record it and then if i want to improv ad lib any of my own extra jokes we do that on like the second or third take and then for this fool did you how well did you know either chris or frankie or i didn't know any of them i didn't know any of them it was just it was it was another you know pilot season you get hundreds of auditions uh sometimes you audition for like four a day or something like that and uh it was just another I was just another pilot audition I got. Loved the script, was a big fan of corporate, the showrunners um, who are showrunning this show. And uh, just self-taped. Oh, and actually, I did the chemistry read from New Zealand. I was like, well, how's this going to work out? Um, And so we uh, hopped on the Zoom with like the showrunners, ABC Mm -hmm. Signatures, Hulu. I saw a little square that said Fred Armisen. I was like, oh my God, he's here. <laughs> and uh, Chris and did the chemistry read um, from um, remotely. That's got to be a testament to your ke- chemistry that you could pull that off. You know, <laughs> an entire feel, world away. You know, I feel like it was definitely me just bossing my way in because, you know, when Zoom comes up and it's more than 20 people, it's just Brady Bunch boxes, mm-hmm. everyone's. Um, their videos turned off and they were like, okay, Michelle, we're going to jump right in. I was like, wait, where's Chris? And I tried to have like a moment with him before we even started because we had never met. We'd never spoken. We'd never spoken until the chemistry read. Yeah. That's amazing. I I guess I would have just figured that you having grown up in, in LA that and been performing there, that you just would have been in the same clubs or same parties yeah i mean yeah after mad tv i did i i did um 
I did some shows at the Improv. I was singing backup for the 88 show with Avery Pearson, which is still a show that's going on now. Um, so I think maybe Frankie Quinones and I may have like crossed paths, but I didn't know anybody. Yeah. And what's so nice about the show too, is that they, since they do know so many standups, you know, they bring them in for co-star if there is like a part for them. Right. So that's like what I, it was like. So. Like I know Jamar Neighbors is a fixture over at the comic store. Isn't he amazing? <laughs> He's so good. I'm obsessed with him. I didn't know him. I didn't know him until the show either, actually. Okay. Very nice. So how does it, how does it feel to be part of a show? One part of a show where all the episodes come out at once. I mean, I'm just so thankful to Hulu that they released all 10 episodes so people can binge because this show does seem pretty bingeable. Um, again, it's a testament to the writing. Um, and Chris's, it's Chris's real story. You know, it's based off of his standup. Most of his standup is um, based on his life. So I think it resonates with all kinds of people, not just Latinos. Did he tell you a a real life version of yourself that, I, you, could, that you could stalk or? I tried asking him like, okay, so what's the deal with like, who, yeah, it's based off an ex-girlfriend. I'm like, okay, can you tell me more? <laughs> he wouldn't really <laughs> let show, up. Show me her Facebook page or? Yeah. He's like, well, it's just, he's like, it's a combination of a bunch of different ex-girlfriends. He wouldn't really mm-hmm. let up on the details. Um, but that was okay because that way I could, I was able to craft my own version of what I wanted and Maggie's look was really important to me. Um, so they let me, you know, do the Betty page bangs, go full punk rock chick with the, you know, style of my wardrobe. Now I I know you're just, uh, just an actress. You're not, you know, one of the showrunners or one of the executive producers, but how important do you think it is that that this pool is on Hulu as opposed to one of the other streaming platforms or even the broadcast networks? Mm, I mean, I think Hulu, I'm trying to think of what other, oh, I mean like Rami, Rami is amazing. That's a stand-up show also, you know, based on his life and his personal, you know, just personal journey going through life as Muslim. Um, so I think Hulu's the perfect home for it. Obviously, they appreciate stand-up comics who you know bring their real life story to the stage. So I think they're I think they're doing a great job, and I'm so glad that they went with Hulu. Well, that's that's the sense. I mean, <laughs> it was kind of a loaded question because that's the sense that I have that Hulu, not only with 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 Rami, but also with uh, Reservation oh, with Dogs, Reservation Dogs, Amy Schumer's show. Life they, and Beth, yeah. That they've they've been able to to allow a platform for these just to be able to tell s- stories from different perspectives that right. don't have to fit into those those neat little holes that say the CBS Diversity Showcase would have wanted you to do. Right, because I can see like them. I can probably. I mean, I don't know if this is true, but like when you go and pitch a show, which I've done many times already to like streaming network or whatever they sometimes the note is yeah but it's really niche like we don't know if this is going to have an audience a wide audience um so yeah i think you you hit it on the nose so what do you hope your next birthday is like oh my god well i hope 
If I check, if I check back in with you in a year, what do you what do you hope that I'm asking you about? Season two, baby. <laughs> Season two. I feel like there's so much more to go, especially with my character. Um, you know, one can only one can only hope there's a green light for season two. Right. I mean, Maggie. Yeah, Maggie is is Julio's on again, off again, and yeah, there's some episodes that you're a major part of, and then there's some episodes that you weren't even in. So yeah, I'm not in. I'm not in two five two five or six. So don't watch those. No, I'm just kidding. They're great. I'm jealous. I'm not in episode two. <laughs> And I think episode six is excellent. It, it focuses on, a, on Julio's mom, um, played by Laura Patalano, who's amazing. Um, I think that, well, that's one of my favorite episodes, actually. And I'm not in it. <laughs> Did more fun doing that than bowling? Oh, my God. Bowling was fun. That was a great day. We had a lot of fun shooting that. Yeah. Who's, the, who's, who's actually the best bowler? Who was the best bowler that day? I want to say it might have been Frankie or Michael. Michael Imperioli. Well, Michelle, um, I really, I really enjoy this fool and I really enjoy your performance in it. So thank you so much. Thank you for spending some time with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you, man. I really, thank you so much for having me. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was post-produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music was by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. If you enjoyed listening, please check out my substack called Piffany at piffany.substack.com for transcripts, bonus commentary, and expert analysis about comedy, show business, and more. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.